I think I got it all said. I do. Good. Good morning, Cross Point. It's good to see you all here this morning. If you are visiting with us or you're tuning in online, you're here present. We are glad you're here with us today. This week, this Sunday before Christmas. Uh, let me tell you, first of all, I'm not Greg Fields. Okay, we've had to do that a couple of times this time. Either Neil or Jason or me or Greg. Um, Greg was scheduled to preach this morning. Y'all be praying for him. He's really sick this weekend. Um, so um, he's told this to others, so I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm giving anything away. He was in the Army in the Gulf War, and he now has what's called Gulf War Syndrome. And stuff hits him just like that. Uh, and it hit him yesterday morning. So I'm here this morning. So my name is Morris Bean. I'm one of the elders at Cross Point. Um, and again, we're glad you're here. And we're going to continue in just a moment, as we have for a number of years, praying before we get started on the sermon. But we're going to be praying for another fellowship. We're going to be praying for Cross Point, I'm sorry, Commerce Community Church over in Commerce, David Ferguson and his wife, Whitney. Um, we're going to be praying for our future teaching pastor that we're still looking for. We're following God, and we believe that God's moving us in the right direction. We want to pray for that future pastor, even though we don't know who he is exactly, God does. And we're going to be praying for their fellowship also, because that's going to be a transition for that fellowship as well. Uh, we're going to be praying for the Kazakh people in Kazakhstan. Almost 19 million people, 0.61 are evangelical believers. So the evangelical movement is going there since 1992, when they came out from under Russian oppression. And this is a good thing that I read on the Joshua Project website this week, they have an evangelical growth rate of 3.5% right now. Worldwide, it's 2.6%. So God is moving in the people of Kazakhstan. So let's continue to pray for them. And then we're going to be praying for our time here this morning. So if you would, join me in prayer. Father, we do come before you, and we thank you for your presence in this place. For, Father, you are here. Your presence fills this very room, and it's because of your love for us. We're going to examine that in more detail this morning through your word. And, Father, I pray this morning for David Ferguson and his wife, Whitney, that their marriage would be sweet, and that David's study this week has strengthened not only him, but his and Whitney's relationship. Father, I pray for their children. I pray for the, the fellowship at Commerce Community Church and the changes, the growth that's going on there. Father, we pray that you continue to bless them and guard them. Father, we pray this morning for our future teaching pastor, um, for them to have peace in their following God to come to Cross Point Fellowship, also praying for their current church fellowship and strengthen them in this transition time as well. Father, I also want to lift up and pray for the, the people of Kazakhstan that you would continue to send your messengers to a lost people group. Father, we see the evangelical movement growing in Kazakhstan, and that's thrilling. And Father, we pray that that transition will grow so that they can then send missionaries out of their own country to other unreached people groups. Father, we trust you in that. We know that every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life 
will be saved before Jesus returns. So, Father, we have no doubt in that, but we pray that your work would be evident so clearly in the people of Kazakhstan. Father, then I pray for our time this morning. I pray for you to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us more thoroughly and help us understand more thoroughly the love of God in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Now, we are in the last week of our Advent series, as Neil talked about earlier, and we've, we've heard the Word of God focusing on and represented by the first three candles in our Advent wreath of hope, peace, and joy. This morning, our fourth candle represents love. And I really thought about maybe calling Christian Weiss, I think it's the way they pronounce it, he pronounces his name, because his voice is so, it just booms. And I've got a tenor voice, what can I say? You know, when I say love, it's almost like love. <laughs> I think when Christians said it, it would be love, you know, it's just that deep, but that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I pray this Advent season has been especially sweet for you and your family. Now, there's lots of experiences that we go through as families during the Christmas season. We have holiday traditions. We enjoy family getting together. Kendra and I had all of our family here this weekend. John and Tasha and their kids were in from Nashville, and Adam and Laurel came from the 10 miles away and and joined us in the house. So we had a house full of people, and it was absolutely wonderful. As I was thinking about traditions, one of the traditions that came to mind was during the time of when John and Adam were little in the seasoned beans, that's me and Kendra, as as we were building traditions, there was one tradition that developed, it it was developed by me, I'll own it, that after we got through putting up the Christmas tree and all the direct decorations and we got all the empty boxes put up in the attic and everything straightened out, then we sat down as a family and we watched the movie entitled, It's a Wonderful Life. And I already hear some groans. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, After a couple of years of that, we would get done, and the introduction music would come on, and John and Adam would disappear into their rooms. You know, it was like, okay, they'd have enough. This year, I didn't even say anything. Kendra and I got all the decorations put up, and got all the empty boxes put up in the attic. And Kendra was warming up a Hallmark movie, in, in her recliner in the bedroom. And I was just flipping through the channels and guess what was on one of the network channels? It's a Wonderful Life. Now, I've got a DVD of it and I was going to play it, but I thought, hey, if it's on TV, I'll just watch it. So the music came on, the introduction music, and about a minute later, Kendra comes in, sits down in her recliner, and she watches it with me. I didn't even ask. So that, people is a sign of sacrificial love. <laughs> and she did that for me. Yeah. In our families, there may, there may be that quirky un- uncle or a quirky papa, but we still love them nonetheless. Okay? Well, guess what? The love that God has for us, a quirky and sinful people, trumps anything that we can do ourselves. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. To see that we are a people 
one that do not deserve the love of God being poured out on us and over us, and yet God chooses to do that. Now, if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand while we read from God's Word. Our focal passage this morning is John 3, 16 and 17, but I want to back up to the beginning of chapter 3 so that we can gain the context of this amazing passage. As we read in John 3, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have, heard, what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's our focal passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the reading of God's word. Please be seated. Now again, before digging into this love passage this morning, I want to take just a moment to remember the things that we've heard over the past three weeks during Advent about God and what he's doing in our lives as a result of the the birth, the life, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. First of all, we have eternal hope in the promises of God made alive in Christ. Next, we have the unshakable peace in Christ Who will return for his church? That's a promise. And then we have the the gift of deep, abiding, and resilient joy through our love and understanding of Jesus Christ. And then at the end of this morning, it's my prayer that we will have a greater understanding of what an unfiltered, pure, holy, unconditional love that we have from God through Jesus Christ. 
In 1 John 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Are you you hearing the theme developing? (laughs) Because it is. And that's exactly what Jesus intended for these days right before Christmas that we truly understand the depth of love that God has for us. Now, the only way that we as human beings can even begin to comprehend and define love is because it has been displayed for us through the life of Jesus and by his Father. The fact that God shows us his love among us by sending his one and only Son is because of his great love for us. Let that sink in. It's the love that he has for us. It's the love that he has for us, period. Now, let's examine our passage for the morning. Now, to bring context into view, first we want to look at the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the teacher, apparently, um, well-versed in Scripture. He was one of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the powerful religious men in Jerusalem. And he was asking some very deep questions of Jesus. And notice he went to him at night. Okay. There's a couple of things that that could be pointing to. We don't know exactly what it is, but we can can draw from Scripture. Things of the dark in Old Testament represented what? Evil. Evil. But things of the dark also represented secrecy. So I don't think Nicodemus had an evil intent in his heart. I really think he didn't want anybody else knowing that he went to talk to Jesus. You know, he was wanting to find out some things before he revealed himself, and he did later. But Nicodemus was trying to understand from his own human perspective, because that's all he had. He had some knowledge of Scripture, but what did he not have? He didn't have the Holy Spirit. That hadn't, that hadn't come yet. So he was trying to understand from his own human perspective what Jesus was talking about. Jesus began to explain to Nicodemus what is truly needed. And he must have really had some of those thought lines in his forehead. You know when you're thinking real hard about something, it kind of wrinkles up up here. I think Nicodemus probably had some rolls on his forehead trying to understand what Jesus was saying. And he was trying to get this be born again concept, and it just wasn't clicking. And Jesus explained, do not marvel what I said to you, you must be born again. In fact, Jesus points out to them that he has already actually revealed earthly things, and yet Nicodemus wasn't accepting those. So if he's, And he said, if you can't accept the earthly things that I've demonstrated to you, how possibly could you understand the spiritual things? It was a rhetorical question because we know that he couldn't. Jesus then reveals what was about to happen. 
And again, this was also beyond Nicodemus' understanding, but Jesus revealed it anyway. In verses 12 through 15 of John 3, it says, If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He was talking about himself. And then he said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and you remember that story when the fiery serpents came out and Moses lifted this, this staff up and anybody that looked at it was saved. Okay, so that's a shadowy picture of what's about to take place on Golgotha. When Jesus then went on to say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So he is prophesying his crucifixion in those words. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, this gets us to our focal passage this morning. And this is an old, familiar verse. I think I learned this verse when I was maybe four or five, vacation Bible school in First Baptist Church, Fort Stockton, Texas, out in West Texas, where I grew up. And I received a gold star from my little um, poster, the poster of all the kids. I got a gold star for John 3.16 because I memorized it. I wish I still had that gold star, but I got it in my heart. This verse says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Then we add on verse 17, as we should, because verse 16 doesn't stand all on its own. Verse 17 adds, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, how does this truth impact us today? First of all, we see that God loves us in a very real and tangible way. It's not a generalized love. It's not that woman fuzzy love or anything else that the world talks about that love might be. You know, it's very subjective from a world's perspective. There, there's, there's no meat to it. But when God says he loved the world, it is tangible because Jesus was human. He could be touched. Okay. Very real. It was a love that was very specific, very surgical, and it was intended to those who would be saved through Jesus Christ. Now, I read 1 John 4, 7 through 9 a minute ago. Let's go back to that again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. How do we know that? Because in verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Now, verse 16 of John 3 is, is misunderstood and it's mistaught. If it was mistaught once, it would be too often. So I can say that it's mistaught too often. 
Okay. It's misunderstood a lot of times to read this way. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that everyone would be given eternal life. That's not what that scripture says. Let me read it the way it should be read. God loved the world in this way. God loved the world in this way that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So God's love is absolute. Our salvation is conditional. One, about being called by God. Secondly, that we believe in Jesus. See, it wasn't just something that was poured out over the whole world. It was very surgical. And that's who God is. God is in the business of choosing And he states that in verse 15, that whoever believes in Jesus may have eternal life. Now, as has been stated numerous times from this pulpit by numerous people over the last at least least 15, 16, 17 years, God is the active agent in all things. God is the one who spoke creation into existence. He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created land. He created sea. He created the trees. He created the grass. He created the animals, the fish, the birds. Adam and Eve. And then us. All of us here today were created by God. Amen? There you go. He's the active agent in sending his son to the earth to be born as a human baby, to live approximately 30 years, and then start a ministry that lasted just over three years. He had disciples. He taught them. They didn't get it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't there yet. They would get it eventually, but not at that moment. Then he was arrested. He was crucified. He was buried. He paid for our sins. Why? Because he needed to? No. Jesus did that to glorify the Father in heaven. He did that so that the Father would glorify Jesus for his sacrifice. He did that so that those who would believe would have eternal life And those saved by Christ can demonstrate that same love to others. But keep in mind, because God loved us first, we now have the capacity to choose to love others. In Jesus' own words in John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, That you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, because God loved us, we now have the capacity to choose to love someone else, to love others. We have that ability. That's not our go-to mantra as human beings 
You know, our go-to default mechanism is to love self. That's all we do as humans. Okay, let's just be honest with each other. may not be pretty at times, but that's what we do. That's who we are. But because of the love that God shared with us through Jesus, and because of that salvation we have through Jesus Christ, we have the ability to choose to love other people. But it's a choice. See, God loved us in this way first, that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, to pay the price for our sins so that those who believe in him receive an absolutely indescribable gift of eternal life. And while we're here on this earth, taking up space, breathing in air, eating food, we can choose to connect with other people and meet their needs. And what's their primary need? To hear about Jesus. That's the primary need. Now, and if you have Jesus in your heart, why would you not want to share that with somebody else? You know, we do. And that's because of the love that God gives us. Now, we can read this truth. We can hear it. We can believe it. But it's still difficult to comprehend, right? Everybody do this. <laughs> it's still hard to grasp all of that. But Jesus tells us, because of the love that we've received... We are then to choose to love others. His love and that commandment demonstrates to the rest of the world that something is different in us. Truly different. Have you ever had that experience of just walking through life and you know, you're, you're living the best you can for, for Christ. You're not perfect because none of us are. But there's something different and somebody sees and they say, there's something different about you. What is it? Huh. Then when they ask that question, you have the privilege of telling them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, it's not me that they see, or it's not you personally that they see, but they see Christ in you. And that's loving other people. Because we're different we can tell people what that difference is, that we're disciples of Jesus Christ because he loved us first. <clears throat> because of that love that we have from God, we have the capacity to then show that love to others. So how did he love us? Jesus gave up his life to demonstrate this very truth. He gave up his life to become sin so that we could glorify God through our lives. So we, we add ourselves, we're drawn into that where Jesus died to glorify the Father. The Father glorified him for his sacrifice. We experience that salvation through Jesus and eternal life. Then we get to join in that glory that Jesus pours into our lives that we glorify the Father through our lives and what we say and what we do. <clears throat> That's sacrificial love. 
That sacrificial love is greater than watching a movie that you may not want to. But it's that selfless love toward one another. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So we're to love one another. And again, love is not that warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is a sacrificial choice that we make to put the needs of others in front of our own. That is submission. See, and that's a word that doesn't stick in our throat. Doesn't make the short hairs on the back of our neck stand up on end. Submission is literally putting the needs of others before your own. And that's a, that's a loving response to who Jesus is in our life. The only way that we can do that is because of what Jesus did. He sacrificed himself on the cross. Not because he needed to, but because we needed him to. It was an essential. It was the plan of God since before he spoke creation into existence. That plan was then manifest through Jesus to redeem his chosen people from the consequences of original sin. So how do we do that in our lives? I want to be real honest. Sometimes it's not easy at all. Is it easy to love your crazy friends? (laughs) Not always. Is it easy to love your siblings? Not always. Is it easy to love your children? Not always. (laughs) Most of the time we do, but there's those rare moments where it's like, okay. Is it easy to love, I'm going to step in a can of worms here. Is it easy to love your marriage partner? Not always. But we choose to. On On their best days and on their worst days. For better or for worse. Is it easy to love your obnoxious work, your obnoxious co-worker? No, it's just not sometimes. But we have the ability to choose to demonstrate love to them. See, that's the kind of love you can't just stumble into. You can't just fall into that kind of love. It has to be a choice. And this is exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. This is an imperative. We don't have a choice. He says you do it. We have a choice to do that, but if we're going to follow Jesus, he said this is what you're to do. It's an imperative, not a suggestion. He didn't say, you know, you might consider one of these days maybe being nice to somebody that's not very nice to you. No, he didn't say that. He said to love others. It's a commandment, not a gentle request. It's a commandment. John 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus said again, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. 
You also are to love one another. And Jesus gave us a promised outcome in verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, we have the ability to love one another for one reason and one reason only. And that's because Jesus loved us first. That's all. Because he loved us first, we have the ability then to love others. So let's look at briefly again at John 3.17. As this powerful statement by God of what this love accomplishes. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son to bring redemption, reconciliation to him, and then renewal of our lives through Jesus Christ. So what's the application this morning from this powerful message of love? We have the great responsibility to bring the gospel to the world wherever we are. Whether we're in Greenville, Texas, or someone else in the county, or somewhere else in the state, or someone else, somewhere else in the nation, or somewhere else in the world. We have the responsibility to take the gospel to the world. To love one another by telling other people who Jesus is. And we can tell them through our lives. We can also tell them through our words. We're to love our neighbors enough and care enough about them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love for us so that they can hear the good news of Christ. That's what God calls us to do. Then God does the rest of the work. We're to plant seeds. If you go back to that passage of the, the parable of the sower that Jesus taught about, you know, there were, there was, he, was, he just went about spreading seeds. And he threw it on the pathway. He threw it in the thorny ground. He threw it in the, the fertile ground. He threw it where weeds were. You know, one of the most interesting things to me about that parable, the sower never once questioned the soil. He didn't try to make decisions. No, that soil's not going to grow anything, so I'm not going to plant there. Or this looks like the best soil, so I'm going to spend all my time here. No, he sowed, he sowed seed wherever he went. And then it was up to God as to which seed took root. The same thing with us spreading the gospel. The question in Scripture comes up, how can they know unless someone teaches them? That's our role. And that's what we do out of love for God and love for people. We're to make disciples. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, this passage says, Jesus came to them, that's his disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. For our final week of Advent, 2021, know this. 
we are loved by truly holy and wonderful and perfect God. We are loved. We are loved through the sacrifice of Jesus. And when we call Jesus our Lord, we then have that capacity. We, have, we receive that gift of salvation. And then we have the capacity to love others. So this fourth candle doesn't just burn for a day or a week. It burns for our lifetime. We are loved by God and therefore we're commanded to love other people. Let's pray. Fathers, we come again before you this morning. We thank you for your presence here. And Father, it's my prayer that Holy Spirit, you have moved in our lives to help us gain a deeper understanding of the love that we have as a result of Father, you loving us first, Jesus, you loving us enough to die on the cross and become sin so that we might have eternal life. Father, I thank you for those who are here this morning, again, worshiping in person or worshiping online. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to deepen this understanding of love that was so clearly demonstrated when Jesus became human, flesh, born a baby, grew up, and then sacrificed his life so that we could be redeemed. Father, help us love you enough to share the story of Jesus with those around us. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.